It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. It's a Tuesday morning, which means it's time to talk some college football. Ben, I don't know if you know, there was a certain college football game that happened this past weekend. Did you did you happen to hear about it? It wasn't it wasn't too big of a deal, I guess. No, there weren't listen. there weren't too many guys involved. You know, it was a little thing, I, real little thing. No, but like I I went hunt like Iowa Wisconsin was everything it was built up to be. I agree. Really it was, was a defensive battle. Jonathan Taylor showed up great. Yep. You know, two hundred fifty yards. Right. Though actually. Lost money on Wisconsin being idiots, giving up 16 points in the fourth quarter. Not <laughs> really? stoked about that. You're not but doing I already this did one year, of those man. complaints on the Monday podcast. I do not need to make it two out of two. Dude, you're not doing great this week with Ben. I had this this week. I like I, I this week. I like on a like the number of bets that I made in the green. The bets that I put big money on in the black or in the red. Not good. Not Next. good. So I lost money overall. But I'll just be like, oh, yeah, I went 9-7 and over the weekend, and I won't talk about how much money I had in the games that I lost. There were actually really a handful of games that everyone was paying attention to because I think that was a byproduct of the first college football playoff ranking coming out to where even when good teams are now playing bad teams, we've got to pay attention to it because we've got to see how it's going to shake up the rankings in the next week. So I think there were mm-hmm. a couple of performances, even in some bluffs, you know, how Ohio State did against Maryland, how Clemson did against NC State, what Georgia did against Missouri. All of that now is stuff that you at least have to pay attention to a little bit. But there were two games that were the big one. Let's start out just talking about LSU-Alabama. This is the game that got all the big coverage you know, everything leading up, so much hype. The battle of QB1 is what TDN called it leading up to the game. I, I've got to say, it lived up to all of my expectations. Did it live up oh. to yours? A 46-41 game? When I, when 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 the, the Crimson Tide were down 13 with a minute 30 left, and every football watcher on the face of the planet said, all right, it's pretty much over, but if they score quick here, it's still alive. Boom. And then the very next play, 80-yard touchdown, Devonta Smith, one-on-one coverage on the sideline. That throw and catch, I like, I couldn't stop smiling. Even like after they didn't get the onside, I was like, just that moment is what this game was. There were so many electric playmakers, and there were such fun, open offenses that at any time, somebody could put six on the board every single play. Handoff, quarterback keep, pass, didn't matter what area of the field. We were always in jeopardy of having a huge game-changing scoring play. Yeah. And that's what made that game so, so fun to watch. So much fun. Like, I, the, and, like, other things can make games fun to watch, right? It's not a zero-sum game. So, like, really good defensive battles can also make games fun to watch. Nah. But that was really fun to watch. Nah, boring. We watched, and I said this after the game, and I think this is something that you're going to get into a little bit because we talked a little bit about it before the show. 
But there was so much talent on both of these rosters, and even that, both of these coaching staffs, that we're watching what, what, what felt like the future of NFL football in this game. It, it, I thought there was so much hype going into this one, and it absolutely lived up to it. Congra- big congrats to LSU for finally getting over the hump, taking down Alabama. Man, Alabama's playoff chances now, real murky, man. I think... I think they're still going to get in. I do. But there is so much wiggle room for if the committee really wants right. to screw it up, they can. Well, that's the thing. is like This is, this is the situation you're in. And I, I, I tweeted about this in the third quarter. Alabama should have pulled Tua. Down 20, third quarter, should have pulled Tua. He's injured. Yeah. Can't go. He's too swollen. We, we rushed him back. He's not going to go. And then you turn to the, you know, and you you turn to the committee and you say, "Hey, he wasn't healthy." Yeah, he wasn't healthy. Right. Uh you give us another shot at these guys. And it was an engaging game even when Tua was down. Like let's not like obviously it was 33-13 at the half, but it was a, a a quick turnover deep in their own territory that gives LSU the last 7 points and then it was a weird Tua trying to change hands while running the ball turnover that gave that took 7 points off Alabama. So 33-13, right. but it was still close like it was still like it was like a, it was a well-fought game and that's why right. you, you expected and you saw alabama bring it back is because they were playing high quality ball um but yeah you you put the committee in a position there where you're basically daring them to take what was probably uh you know one of the best college football games televised like in terms of television viewership in ages do it again in, in the semifinal. but you leave two in there you kind of take away that that excuse but that being said alabama's one of the four best teams in the country right like it, 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 nobody can dispute this no no you way. can't. You can't watch football and tell me the Alabama Crimson Tide right now aren't better than Georgia, who will have an opportunity to see how that goes, better than Oklahoma, better than Oregon, better than Utah, better than Minnesota, whoever you want. So the committee's going to want to get them in. It's going to be a question of are you going to be able to finagle the resumes to kind of fit that square peg into a round hole? So, you know, if you're a team like Minnesota, Oregon, or Oklahoma, you've really got to make sure you don't drop anything. You can't even you know barely scrape by an unranked team in a game you maybe should have lost because any sort of blemish on that resume committee's gonna be looking for a way to to to, to sneak alabama into that four seed you know they are yeah especially if lsu's gonna be able to go undefeated through the sec get one four lsu bama oh come on in semifinal so yeah it, it's it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be very interesting to see how that shakes itself out. But Alabama's one of the four best teams in the country, and I can't be convinced otherwise. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. I did have to touch on this. How great is Joe Brady, the past game coordinator for LSU? I mean, we've kind of seen it all year long, what he's been able to do with Joe Burrow, that kind of confidence, what he's been able to do with the receiver group, complementing it with what the rest of the offense is doing, getting the tight ends involved in Thaddeus Moss, as we saw this past weekend. I think the concepts and how he is getting guys open via the scheme and certain routes and making things easier for Joe Burrow to identify things before the snap, after the snap, having different progressions that are quarterback friendly. So Burrow can be so confident every single week. I think he is doing a masterful job. And I believe it was the last two years he was, what, an offensive assistant with the New Orleans Saints? I think that's what it was. And so... It's so clear that he took a lot of what he learned from being in the same building and on the same staff as a guy like Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints head coach, and he has taken that, put his own kind of spin on it, and really created an offense that is a complete juggernaut right right now. And I've got to 
Dude, I mean, he, here's an honest question. I joked about it during the game that I said afterwards, wow, what a great game by future New York Jets head coach Joe Brady. But that was kind of a joke because he's never been any higher in the coaching ranks than he is right now as basically an OC pass game coordinator. So that would be a massive jump. But, right. man, in a world of football where we're seeing both the NFL and college give these chances to these these young very creative offensive minds. Do we think Joe Brady's getting an NFL offer this year? Like at least right. like as a coordinator? And it's funny because, you know, your initial instinct is like, listen, Trevor, he's 30. He's only coordinating an offense for one year. Let's not be unrealistic. And then you remember that Matt LaFleur coordinated a bad offense in Tennessee. Is that a coach of Green Bay Packers, right? Like it, it, it seems unreasonable. There's a lot of different and- examples. I mean, Zach Taylor was the quarterback's yeah. coach. For the Rams right. with McVay. Like, all you got to do is be adjacent to greatness. And in Brady, he's closer than adjacent to greatness. He's he's a, a big generating force. Now, I think that your best shot as like a, right now going to the NFL would be with the team who's going to draft Burrow, which is Cincy. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so now it, it's, you know, looking at other potential teams who want to be adding what you have, what, what what you're doing right now on the offensive side of the football. What I will say in terms of Brady and Burrow is this: Brady's doing a great job. Burrow's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. We know Justin Jefferson's a good player because he's eligible, and we've watched him, and we can tell him he's a top sixty player on my board. I don't think we understand, in large part, because they're not yet eligible, just how good Jamar Chase and Terrence Special are. Whole, or Terrence Marshall, excuse me. Holy Yeah, too much of awesome. But then that's the thing is like, I tweeted this at halftime and people, you know, hit me back on it and they were like, oh, you might want to delete this. Like, oh, you know, everybody says this. Or whatever. But I tweeted at halftime, Burrow's playing really good ball and he's throwing to some wide open dudes. And I still abide by that for four quarters of that game. Burrow played great football. Can't take away from that. I but I mean, we got, we, right, exactly. We got first rounders out there, Trevon Diggs. We got potential day two picks out there. Uh, Xavier McKinney, Shane Carter. Patrick Sertain, true sophomore. I think he's a future first rounder, other corner. Chase uh, Marshall and, and Jefferson just embarrassing these cats. Yeah. I mean, it's different. It's yeah. it's like we've always been like LSU gets weirdly good receivers for not having a passing attack. Now we're seeing the receivers LSU can recruit when they actually have a passing attack, Jiminy Christmas. Like this, <laughs> this is a a a a comparable group in terms of top end talent to the Alabama group on uh, they, they were winning regularly in one-on-one spots. And that's what you, like what Brady's giving you is, you know, middle of the field, close read on one half, middle of the field, open read on the other half. And we got deep crossers, throw them open. And Burrow's got that ball. And they just, they, they, they lean on that deep over. They lean on that deep comeback. They lean on the dig. And then they lean on the nine ball. And Burrow's ability to hit intermediate windows is sublime. Yeah. That's why I say he's, he's Jared Goff. Jared Goff was an athlete. Because it's not necessarily the arm strength that's getting him down there, but it's it's the anticipation, it's the ball placement and in intermediate to deep windows that's surprising and effective. So obviously it's always tough to figure out what exactly the pieces of the pie are and who's getting how much. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something we're gonna have to work really hard at with Burrow when we sit down and go through 13 games and evaluate a senior season, try to understand what he's gonna be. But the piece of the pie that I think we don't fully understand yet, we don't fully appreciate yet is Jamar Chase, Terrence Mitchell, these un, uh, these underclassmen receivers for LSU, talented, talented players. They're making a lot out of them. I'm sure that a lot of our categories have to do with this game, so 
why don't we just get right to it? Which uh, which college football award do you want to give out first? Uh, yeah, because it's kind of on this vibe. Oh, like I and I, I kind of half talked about this, but I'll continue to talk about it. My favorite, the best thing I saw this weekend was NFL Twitter, who maybe doesn't consistently watch college football games, watching Alabama LSU mm-hmm. and having that experience that a lot of us who do this year round had which is realizing that like i'm not sure like i think in three years we're gonna be able to look back and say you know there were 13 first rounders on the field at this time right and that's like the most in the history of any college football game ever like i fully believe that in the event of this alabama lsu game between the the quarterbacks between some of the offensive line talent defensive line talent especially the wide receiver talent and then in the secondary i think you got five first round picks in the combined secondaries alone <laughs> you know in terms of future drafts we're out there you probably got at least three if not four of the wide receiver room you got two quarterbacks like it was bananas talent and like and like i said like people like us who've done this you know we've been since the summer it's not like that's lost on us but the novelty has lost its shine it's not new it's not fresh it's not as thrilling as it was because we've come to understand and expect it for a lot of nfl twitter just experiencing and realizing like oh wow like Alabama and LSU have always been talented but this is just not presidented this is never before seen on the college football stage was so much fun because there's it's gleeful it's ecstatic it's it it's so freaking cool to watch it's so much fun like it's just amazing athletes doing amazing things punching back and forth just heavyweights welterweights and you know it means so much to every single one of those young men so I really enjoyed experiencing kind of my second wave, my second bout with just the dumbfoundedness that is the talent on this Alabama team and the talent on this LSU team. Oh, it's really, really just fun programs to watch. They can play every week. I would watch every week. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No hesitation. So your best thing that you saw this weekend had to do with a lot of the talent that was from this game. Mine was the emotion, I think, of this game. There are two things. I, I mentioned one of them that I liked before the show, but there's another one that I really wanted to mention now that I think of it. This game meant a lot to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. LSU-Alabama is a game that we look forward to every single year no matter what. It has been, over the last decade, one of the most anticipated college football games Every single year, no matter how good they are. Alabama has owned this rivalry as of late. This was LSU's time to punch back, okay? It's a divisional thing. It's an SEC West thing. They go back and forth every year. These are two of the most hotbed programs in the country. And LSU's lost a lot of games in a row and a lot of games over the last decade to Alabama during the series. There's a lot of emotion in this one. And I think it was completely encapsulated in... Two things. The first one was when LSU scored the final touchdown to basically seal that the game was over. Uh, their running back, Clyde Edwards Elaire, shown on the sideline, just yes, Clyde. Head, head into his coach's chest. 
what we, you know, what you th- believe is him showing some tears and some emotions of everything that he had worked for, everything this program worked for, the team, his guys, his friends, everything that they had been through to get to this moment over the last couple of years to finally stick it to Alabama in Alabama. It was overwhelming for him, and you could see that. And that was such a special moment, not just from the game, but also from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who uh, I'm going to be writing about in depth his story and uh, and his game this week in my five-play prospect column. So look out for that over there at draftnetwork.com. The other one, a little bit more fun, in the locker room afterwards, uh, there yes, was sir. a live stream on Instagram. Instagram live. Never a good on. idea, but also always a good idea. That's the thing, man. If you're a player out there listening to this podcast, it's probably none of you, but you gotta... We love when you Instagram live from the locker room, but you right. probably should be, be doing that. Let me be very clear. Yes. Do not Instagram live. From the locker room. Yes. But please Instagram live from the locker room. Because when you do, you get moments like we got this weekend where Ed Ogeron said, you know, he was just, he was letting it all out to his guys. And and all I've ever heard from people and from prospects and players who have been coached by Ed Ogeron is that you, you feel like you could run through a wall for this man. That you go to war for this man. And that's what I continue to hear from guys who have been in his pipeline, whether it's been at LSU or other schools. So to hear him get them fired up after this big win, that was no surprise. Him saying they're going to beat Alabama's ass in recruiting, and they're going to beat their ass every single time they saw him from here on out. That the rivalry was now theirs to take. And then he let out a big roll tide what? F you! And everybody went nuts! Which, like... Do I know what exactly that syntax means? Roll Tide what? Question mark? F you? No, I don't really get it. Do I like it? Yes. It just got everybody so hyped up. And I was just, I'm such a fan of that kind of emotion when it comes to these games. And so I'm glad that both of our best things we saw came from this game at two different levels because it was a story of incredible future NFL talent that we were witnessing before they became professionals. And also, well, I would argue that they're already professionals, but that's neither here nor there. No. The other part is that there was so much raw emotion in everything that this game meant. And you saw it there at the end and in the locker room afterwards, and that was awesome. So there we go. Two best things that we saw. What do we got next? My last thing. This is my last thing on Alabama LSU, I promise. It's a player that you mentioned. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has me run into the tape. Clyde, And here's what's really irritating, Trevor. Yes. On Friday, uh-huh. one day before Alabama LSU, I was tasked with writing my Would You Rather column on the topic of who do I prefer the Alabama or LSU supporting cast? I said, tight end, that's easy. LSU actually uses theirs. Not a problem. Wide receivers, obviously, was a tough one. Uh, I had to go deep into it. Like I said, you got a ton of NFL talent there. Uh, I ended up going with Alabama because they have better depth. And after that game, I don't feel as good about it, but I still think I was right. At running back, I also went Alabama. But I opened my blurb with this. I think I might like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm excited to see him against the style Alabama defenses, though strong performances against great squads, and Auburn and Florida should not go unrecognized. He's got a low-riding frame, good instincts in the hole and in space, and enough quickness to make the first defender miss. And then I go on to describe why, because Najee Harris is a giant who was a five-star recruit, He's probably going to be a better player. And 
in that I have not finally evaluated Najee Harris, who had a fantastic game against LSU, nor have I finally evaluated Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm still okay with that sentiment. But man, I kind of liked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming into this game, just like I kind of liked Joe Burrow before the Texas game. And Joe Burrow, I planted the flag a little bit. I was like, I think it's going to be a good quarterback. I didn't think we were getting this. I'm not never going to claim to that, but I, I planted the flag nah, a little bit. Claim it. Edwards Hilaire, I came in soft. That's a first. I came in soft. Highly disappointed in myself, but I I, I, I tried to hedge my bet and protect my my six. Just be like, oh, yeah, I kind of like him. He's interesting. He's clearly a draftable player, and then just leave it there, right? I didn't, didn't fully commit, and he made me look big stupid. <laughs> you know, it, it unbelievable performance in terms of, for this passing offense to be so good and for Edwards Hilaire to be up against so many top flight LSU recruits at running back and for him to continue to garner the number of touches he's garnering, for him to get, continue developing as like a key passing threat with these wide receivers on the team. Oh, you know, people are throwing around Darren Sproles. Well, you know, it takes a bit to be Darren Sproles. He ain't out there returning kicks. But it was clear that we've got a, a multi-level threat. And it's clear that we've got a player who, while he does not have the great physical tools that makes you a five-star recruit or a four-star recruit, young man A knows how to run the football, B has tremendous instincts, and C is a gutter. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he's got a bit of Zach Moss to him. Hey, come meet me in the hole. See what TF is up. You yeah. know what I mean? He's a fun freaking watch. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh I think in terms of players who made money for themselves. You know, we already knew Jerry Judy was a first-rounder. We already knew Joe Burrow was a first-rounder. Players who made money for themselves, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably had the best game in that matchup right there. Yeah, my run to the tape guy, different game. Uh, The other big game of the weekend, Minnesota-Penn State. I'm picking safety, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Yes, if you recognize the name, it's because his dad is the Antoine Winfield that you're probably thinking of. Winner of the Jim Thorpe Award, nation's top defensive back. First-round player from the Bills. Had a 14-year NFL career. Then was with the Vikings as well. This is his kid. And you're probably thinking, all right. If this kid... Because he had a great game this weekend. But I... Like, nobody was really talking about him before this weekend. So when he was going off against Penn State, had two interceptions in the first half, looked like an absolute ball hawk. I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, okay, there's no way Antoine Winfield's son goes under the radar. So there's no way he's draft eligible. He's got to be like a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore or something. Ben, this guy's freshman season was 2016. You've been around. Okay. In 2016, been waking him up. In 2016 as a freshman, he played in 12 games and started nine of them. Okay. This is true freshman year. 2017, played in four, played in four games, got hurt, missed the final eight games. In 2018, Played four games. Missed the rest of the season. Another full injury. 2019, he's gotten granted medical, like a medical redshirt twice. He's still a redshirt sophomore. What a hero. He stand. He stand unconditionally. He still has eligibility. Four year sophomore, my This king. year, next year, and 2021. That's Incredible. Awesome. I'm telling you. He's not going to use up all those years. He might even be done this year because so far PFF has his kid graded as the highest safety in the entire country with a plus 90 rating. I think it's it's like a 91 or something with an elite uh, graded rating throughout the entire season. He's got six interceptions, I believe. Man, kid's good. 
Kick and play some man coverage when you when you uh, match him up against guys coming up the seam, up the middle. Clearly a ball hawk, single high kind of a guy that can go rangy from sideline to sideline. Always searching for the football, looking for constant takeaways. This kid's not just a, a, a former football great son that you're just going to take a chance on because of the genes. He's certainly shown that he can... That he could play at the highest level. I really like right. him a lot. He's a guy who I'm going to watch some more tape of over the rest of this week. I'm going to get some more games because this is the first time I was really watching him against Penn State. And James Franklin, even going into the game, said that his 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 man crush around the country, his, his man crush player, was Antoine Winfield Jr. And that was before he had the two interceptions against. Uh, his Nittany Lions that game. So um, he probably didn't even know that Antoine Winfield was going to go from being his um, his favorite player to his most feared player <laughs> in this regard. So he was awesome. Loved him. He's a guy I got to catch some more tape on because he's having a fantastic season. What do you got next? Trevor, let me ask you a question. Okay, sure. How many four 40-plus yard oh, touchdowns do you have this year? How many 40-plus do I have? Yeah. How many uh, touchdowns have you scored this year? And, like, and like, we didn't even start there. How many touchdowns have you scored this year, Trevor? Zero, actually. Yeah, and how many of those zero were, you know, longer than 40 yards, which is decisively, like, you're not even in field goal range yet. Like, nobody's even, like, thinking about scoring at this time. Yeah, still zero, actually. Yeah, still yeah. zero. Yeah, yeah. CD Lamb has seven. <laughs> seven! CD Lamb's year is... Seven. The kids, the kids, unbelievable. He 13, really is. Thirteen receiving touchdowns, seven of which, more than half, have been more than more than forty yards. Here's the thing: Lamb is so good. I tweeted this out, and I didn't mean it, but in the moment, after he had an incredible multiple multiple tackle breaking, flip the field return. You know, or not return, but catch and run for a touchdown. I tweeted, CeeDee Lamb is the ball skills of DeAndre Hopkins with the after-catch ability of Odell. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Because I knew it was not going to go over well. And, like, no, he's not. That would be insane. But what's important there is Lamb's ball skills have distracted all of us from how good he is after the catch. He's so good. Yeah. That's that's been the big thing for me this year. And, like, when you play with Marquise Brown and you're running shallow crossers, I mean, I love CeeDee Lamb, but, yeah, I'm going to put Marquise Brown on the shallow cross. That ain't no question. You know, and now and, and now you've got a, a young man in Charleston Rambo who's also going to be a 4-4, potentially sub-4-4 player. So Lamb's not—at no point during Lamb's career has he been the fastest receiver on this team. So I don't really think he gets a ton of the, like, and, hey, we're going to get you the ball two yards deep or, you know, behind line of scrimmage, you can go. He gets— some, but I don't think he's the he's the primary target that they want to get there. At least he hasn't been. And I think this year more and more you're seeing him get those reps because whether it's the skill that's blossoming or it's kind of we're coming to a realization of the, the totality, the holistic look at this player, but Lamb is so freaking good with the ball in his hands, which is obnoxious for a player who's so good at getting the ball in his hands on catches he should not be making. So, like, I, I don't even know how to contextualize lamb right now but he like like what what's the comp for this guy he has two 
elite traits in yak ability and in catch radius that you just don't see go together. Those are not two that are married in one player. That's very irregular. CeeDee Lamb, eight receptions, 167 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, to me, this is the leader in the clubhouse for the Bolitnikoff. Uh, this is clearly the leader for Big 12 receiving. Now that Tyler Wallace is out for the year. Uh, unbelievable player who can't stop making good plays. He was he always he was a little quiet to start the year. Yeah, he only had like four catches for sixty yards against UCLA or something. We're all losing our minds right and now. He's out here scored like nine touchdowns in the past six games. What a seven touchdowns of forty plus yards. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So good, man. So good. He's king. Best thing I saw in scouting, I'm going back to that Alabama-LSU game because I got to mention Najee Harris. I got to mention him, man. Because going into the year, I thought Najee Harris, I'd watched him the the past two years. It's like, all right, five-star kid, I get it. Very talented. He's huge. He's strong. He's fast. There's a lot more that goes into playing the running back position than even just that. Certainly, those, those are things that you bet on. Those are physical traits that you cannot teach that put you ahead above the rest. But I didn't think that Najee Harris had the vision. Um, and he certainly didn't look comfortable even when using that kind of speed and strength. This year is way different. And I think that you, that shows, first and foremost, in his balance. He bounces off a of contact and searches for open space better this year more than he ever has. And now you're finally getting to see what Najee Harris and all of that talent, speed, and power in that freakish athletic body he's got now it's all come to fruition because he knows how to search for open grass and he knows what to do with it when he gets with contact get the most out of every play so that is what i saw 19 carries 146 yards and a touchdown that's what i've seen so i mean he had that run against south carolina where he was breaking off tackles he hurled the guy he he stiff-armed the one guy's soul out of his body like this is Najee harris's best year we got to recognize it as such i got to do more of a deep dive on him because now I'm truly seeing a running back that is getting the most of the touted talent uh, that, that we had of him coming out of high school. So, fantastic game from Najee Harris all in, it, in, in what ended up being a losing performance. I think that he's had a fantastic year, and he's a guy i got to watch a lot more of in an already stacked running back class. All right, last one. All caps. Let's hear it. Go off. Hey, you remember uh, You remember last year when we watched Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Trevon Hill just, like, absolutely murdered everybody for a whole game? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, he just got invited to the Senior Bowl. Oh. oh. Which is big for him because he's, he's got some questions to answer in terms of off-field yeah, stuff. But also, when one-on-ones, dude's got every physical tool that's ever existed in the face of the planet. Um, hopefully, you know, he's going to be able to, to, to help keep that all together. But anyway... Trevor, <laughs> you didn't know about this. Apparently, I learned in the pre-show that you did not know about this, so I'm here to tell you a thing. Uh, at halftime, the Ohio State Buckeyes ranked number one in the initial college football playoff committee rankings. We're leading the Maryland ter- uh, Terrapins by a healthy score of 42 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Maryland had had six drives and two first downs. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Ohio State had six drives, all of them touchdowns, and then they kneeled to end out the half, as one does. So really, absolutely nothing had happened positively for Maryland, like actually at all. And everything was going Ohio State's way. And as Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, I think, uh, took his team into halftime, remembering a 79 to nothing victory over Howard, remembering a 63 to 20 win over Syracuse, he's probably thinking to himself, man, it really can't get any worse than this. Jordan White at little <laughs> underscore JoJo19. Glad who, you looked uh, on the Twitter handle hu- for this. Right. His huddle film. Uh, uh, he's a senior guard and defensive tackle at DeMatha High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh-huh. I just realized this is his pin tweet now, which is also hilarious. But he I, tweets I think out Chase lit- Young is from DeMatha. But lit- okay, literally at the I'm half. Just thinking about that, sorry. 1.46 p.m. Like, like, Maryland is in the locker room. Yes. He tweets out, and I quote, With all due respect, do spelled D-O, so with all due respect to whom it may concern, my family and I believe that it is in my best interest to open up my recruitment process and decommit from the University of Maryland to make sure that I am making the best no. decision for myself and my future. No. no further questions, please. Trevor, imagine getting so thoroughly shellacked on national television, imagine having your guts spilled out in HD 4K Big Ten Network televised content with such vivacity, with such gusto from the Ohio State Buckeyes that you are literally losing recruits. You are bleeding football players. 30 minutes against the Buckeyes was all it took for somebody to decide to go Had to enough. a whole different school. That's like, unbelievable. You know the SpongeBob, like, I am a head out meme? That's this that is dude. That. Yes. This is, he, like, he couldn't just tweet that because we all we don't really know who he is. But, like, I he, he's going to head out. He's like, I, I, I see what I need to see. I'm hopping up out of the armchair. Good luck, Terps, in the future. Wish you all the best. Um, I'm not. I'm from Maryland. I'm not going to be playing my college ball in Maryland. That, I, I I do not know if salt has ever been rubbed in a wound quite like a, a, a decommitted halftime because you're getting murdered by Ohio State. And the funny thing is that, like, Ohio State 100% was trying to murder Maryland. They had a fake, they did a, a surprise onside kick. They went for it on fourth down up by 50. Like, the, the theory is that, like, Mike Loxley was saying something on the recruiting trail about Ryan Day in Oklahoma, or in Ohio State that, just rubbed Ohio State the wrong way. But Ohio State was not there to win it in a tight 45 and put in the backups. They did put in the backups. Their backups outscored the starters, but that's not important. Like, this was clearly, you know, we want to rub your face in the dirt a little bit. And uh, they got what they came for, the Buckeyes did. They didn't steal a recruit, but they at least knocked one off the board. That's hilarious stuff. Ben, Arkansas is not having a good year. Oh, (laughs) no. The Arkansas Razorbacks are not having a great year. They are... 2-8 Two and eight now, two and four in the conference. Things just aren't going well for Chad Morris. And it all kind of came to a head against Western Kentucky this past weekend. This was an opponent that Arkansas, an SEC team, was supposed to use to get back on track, have a little bit of momentum going into the next year, you know, get their confidence up, make them feel good about the program, right? 
Ben, Western Kentucky went in there and got that ass 45 to 19. <laughs> 45 to 19. You got me with that one. I was not ready. And it wasn't even as close as that score says it was. Rakeem Boyd had a had a 76-yard touchdown run and I think an 82-yard touchdown run. Okay? Take both of those away and they have five points. I mean, I know that like it can't be that because they had some extra points that they went or the two-point conversions that they went for. Whatever. Like, they would have had three points, basically, without those two big runs. They would have lost 45-3 at home against Western Kentucky. All right? Ty Story, the quarterback from Western Kentucky, had a fantastic game. Went 22 for 32. Right. 200 and he yards wasn't always touchdown. at Western Kentucky, was he there, Trevor? Here's the thing about Ty Story. <laughs> He's a transfer quarterback, Ben. From? From Arkansas. You hate to see it. He was at Arkansas last year. He's an Arkansas kid. He's from, what is it? Char- is it? It's not Charleston. What is it? Yeah, it is. It's Charleston, Arkansas. He's from Arkansas. This was the hometown kid going to play for the hometown school. And he transferred because when Chad Morris came in, he was bringing Ben Hicks from SMU to come in and play. Ben Hicks has sucked. And and Arkansas has played like four QBs this year. They can't figure out. They can't win a damn football game. And the guy they had in the building. You hate to see it. Beat him 45 to 19. Cool moment for Ty Story. Really was. Not great for Arkansas. Ben, give us a thick boy and we'll get out of here. Yeah, so we, we had some good some good candidates. Um, I did tweet out Thick Boy of the Century earlier uh, this week, and I tweeted out Thick Boy of the Century because there's an eighth grader who I believe is 335 pounds, uh, which is, you know, not regular for eighth graders, no, as it know, were. Normally not. And again, they have him playing like eighth grade football with other eighth graders, mm-hmm. which is rough for everybody involved, as you can imagine. So shout out to him. Um, there was also a Nebraska defensive tackle who oh, not only yeah. picked up a fumble and tried to return it for a touchdown, he switched hands and threw a stiff arm and That's brother. That's not the thick boy of the week? It's not the thick boy of the week because... Who's the thick boy of the week? WFLA. Is a news channel in Florida, I, Tampa yeah. Bay area. I work news channel eight. Yeah, you may you work for them. Well, I mean, like, I, I, Pewter Report is partnered with them, and yeah, when I go on TV to talk about the Bucks, it's for WFLA. Oh wow, cool! You go on TV. That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay, uh, they tweet Follow out me on Twitter. They tweet out at uh, Tampa Bay Trey. They tweet out mass a uh, watch massive bear named T-shirt gets stuck in dumpster, I'm and sorry, you're like, bear, yeah. I'm sorry, the bear's Let's name say. is what? T-shirt. Okay, okay. <laughs> right? And so, and they say this, right? And you're like, yeah, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to watch. Right? <laughs> First of Obviously. all, I'm already watching. <laughs> like, massive bear named T-shirt. I'm already there. Get stuck in dumpster. Even better. There right? <laughs> but you're thinking to yourself while you're watching this, I've seen big bears before. Me, I grew up near the mountains of Pennsylvania. I once, when I was a kid, I was playing around outside of church one day and a bear just walked out of the woods. And I was like, that's a bear. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's the area in which I live. Yeah, could not. So I have seen, I've seen big bears before. I know what's going on. 
right? And so it cuts to the dumpster. T-shirt pokes his little head out. And you're like, yeah, that's a big bear, right? And you're watching these officers. They're trying to jimmy open the doors to this dumpster, like the big flaps on top to help T-shirt get out. They got to like open it and run away, right? And like, all right, listen, I get it. T-shirt's big. He's a bear, but calm down, okay? They finally get the flaps to this dumpster open. <laughs> And T-shirt begins to extricate himself from the dumpster. The, the extraction process begins. The Jason Bourne, James Bond, bump, 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 Mission Impossible <laughs> begins. T-shirt gets one paw over the top, two paws over the top, and then he gets his back haunch. And that's when you realize an elephant somehow got in a lab with bear DNA and made something that only is exposed to exist in the nuclear holocaust in the year 2817. T-shirt did not get stuck in a dumpster. The dumpster got around T-shirt somehow, okay? This thing is the size of the dumpster. He was never in it to begin with. I have never seen an animal. It's, you know the whole like, oh, who would win? Like a gorilla or a bear? Yeah. T-shirt. T-shirt would We've win. We've gotten that question many times on Fran Fan Friday. T-shirt's coat is the most lustrous post-dumpster coat I've ever seen on a bear in my entire life. And it's because this dude must exude so much sweat. You haven't seen me on a Friday night, brother. So much sweat from simply existing. When he <laughs> lands outside of this dumpster, I'm not kidding. Like, he looks like the Klondike Bar bear in terms of relative size. Like, he's just, like, the logo on the... He fills the whole thing. This is the big... He is the thick... Like, you know, the, the fat bear... Uh, you know, Fat Bear Month or whatever that the, the National Park does when the bears are, are, are preparing to hibernate. I and so I, they... I mean, I don't, I don't think I know this, but I follow you a little okay. bit. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a national park who does like a, a, a Fat Bear Week where they tr they track all the bears in the national park and they see who added the most weight for hibernation. And then they like publicize it with a bunch of how big they are, which is really funny. T-shirt wins. I have never seen a bear this size. Amazing. He is the thick boy of forever and ever. Amen. Somebody needs to ask us a Fan Friday question specifically about T-shirt, either in an eating yes. contest Which, or going up against other animals. If you if you can't again, the 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 text of the tweet is massive bear named T-shirt. And if you just search massive bear T-shirt, you should be able to find the video. And folks, if you want to get through your Wednesday, get through your Tuesday. This is the Tuesday podcast. Tomorrow we're you talking college one. football once again. Forty-seven we're gonna look, seconds. We're gonna look of glory, of absolute glory. We're gonna look ahead to next week's college football games. We haven't done that in a while. Post LSU Alabama, so we're gonna be taking. We're actually gonna be talking about the most recent college football playoff rankings, as well as looking ahead to the games that might affect that the coming week. Day after that, we'll get into some NFL games. Ben and I always go over the NFL with a betting twist. We'll see how many ben, how many games Ben got on me this week. I'm not sure how many. Do you think you did well this week? I can't remember. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, know if you I did well this week. Feelings. I don't yeah. know how much get we recorded that podcast me, so. like earlier than we we do, did. So. We did. Yeah, what a lot you of things could have changed. Okay, give yourself a cop out. That's fine. No, we're Friday. about to win Seattle plus six and a half because they're winning by eleven. Okay, good. Then Fan Friday, obviously coming up on Friday. Ton of football to watch after that. So going to be a jam packed week. Until all that, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.